0: we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, at page 681, and the Bible is handed to you, page 681, uh, and you will notice that today's message is entitled, World Changer. God orchestrates the world for his coming. Uh, one of the benefits of having a pastor that's ADD is that I keep changing things, okay? I get more really, really easy. I'm not, I'm not uh, technically ADD, I'm just a lazy and I get bored really, really fast. So I cannot teach the same lesson twice. That's a, that's a big problem for me. And if I get bored, I know you're bored, so we can't do that. So what I try to do is every Christmas season, is to look at and attack the Christmas story from a drastically different perspective. So what I wanted to do is that through the, since the year 2004, we've been kind of turning it like a diamond and looking at different facets of the Christmas story. I wanted to remind you where we've been. In 2004, we took on the attack of what did the Christmas story look like from an angelic perspective. We talked about the supernatural view of it, that Jesus Christ, who was the commander of the army of God, reduces himself down into flesh, and what did the angels think of that? How could they handle the commander becoming a little child? And the whole time through Christ's ministry, the angels weren't ready. They were waiting to be bodyguards. For their amazing king. And they knew what he looked like before the major, and they knew what he was going to look like after his ascension. But how amazing was it to see him become flesh and dwell among us? That was in 2004. In 2005, we used the gift motif of talking about the greatest gift ever given in Jesus Christ, and how it was packaged, unlike we would have imagined, but that we needed to open it up and engage with it ourselves. In 2006, we did two Christmas messages. One was called The Holy Night. We talked about the holiness and cleansing of sin that comes with a Christmas message and then the next day we covered the oddity of Christmas. How strange of a story it was and why so many weird things happened and what they meant. Well this year we're of course going to turn the diamond one more time and take a look at a different facet, and that is to look at it from a historical
1: perspective.
0: If you are a history monk you're going to think today is awesome. If you're not, and that's 90% of you, I suggest a dot game. Okay, that's when you play with your partner. You put the dots down, you pull up the boxes, and you put your initials in the middle, and also take that color as well. So, okay, so you play hangman. I'm trying to get you guys some ideas here, alright? So, if you do fall asleep, please don't snore and prove me those around you. Alright, moving on. Here we go. We've struggled with it, if you haven't already. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, page 681 in your Bibles. As you turn that, I want to remind you, Jesus did not come into existence as the nature. Before the dawn of time, the second person of the Trinity always existed, he will always exist. He just happened to put on a and show up so we could see him a little bit differently. But he's always been there. And all throughout history, the Old Testament talks about a day that would be coming just like Christmas, where a Messiah would enter into the world. Well, when we pick up in Matthew chapter 1, what do we see to kick off the story? You would assume that if you're going to tell a story, you start out with a once upon a time, or you start out with something dramatic that would catch the interest of your readers. What did he start out yeah. with? A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and goes on to other world
1: names. What's so funny is he starts out with something there everyone
0: skips. Okay, well, he skips the genealogy. Why? Because we don't care. That's why. Because we look at it and go, I don't understand the names, I don't understand the stories. So we might not so oh, who cares? And we just go off and move on. However, I believe that in these genealogies, they've all been included for a reason. They've all been included for a very specific reason. And a reason that I want to kind of open up for you today. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on the genealogies. Christ. But let me explain something about the Gospels. You all realize that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell a very similar story. But they tell a similar story from different perspectives. What are those perspectives? Well, Matthew tells us that Jesus was promised king. Mark tells us that he was an everyman. Luke tells us that he was holy human. And John tells us that he was fully God. What you begin to see is that in the book, it's the focus on both sides that they completely tell the story of Jesus. Well, if they're going to tell those perspectives, some them include the story of Jesus and the Christmas story, and some Why? Matthew gives us a genealogy. Why? It goes from the past and looks forward to the promised Messiah. So he's going to get one direction view because in order to follow the line of the king, genealogy. Mark, showing that he's an everyman, wants to be able to tell you that he's a slave of mankind, the servant of mankind. And guess what? Slaves do not have It's not Luke. Luke wants to show that he's fully man, so he takes Jesus and looks backward all the way to Luke, but to Adam. The first man of all mankind. John's whole point was what? That Jesus is fully God, therefore, why can the father of the genealogy? He just the along and say, In the beginning was the word, for it was with God, for it was God, any questions? Right? In each one of these accounts, they're giving you a genealogy for a reason. They're giving you it to point out something very specific. And so, as we open up into Matthew chapter 1, and we read a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and it talks about David, the promised king, it talks about Abraham, well, then it ends with what? Verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. This is J. Joseph's family line. Who is Joseph to Jesus? The stepdad. Oh. He is not his blood, son. Remember, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and was fully God, fully man. Remember that. Mary is the blood mother of Jesus, but Joseph is not. He's kind of cut out of the picture on that one. So, why include his genealogy if he's not the blood father of Jesus? genealogies because in their world you could not own any territory in Israel unless you show your family life. So if you ever wanted to own a home, if you ever wanted to own anything in Israel, you have to explain where you came from. So they have very, very high genealogies. The second reason is Matthew's point is that Jesus is the promised king. And you have to show a lineage from Abraham, you have to show a lineage from David. So we track down But he said that Jesus isn't Joseph's real son. How does he have the right to be king? Check this out. There are two ways in the ancient world to adopt a child and take him legally into your family. The first one, you can do either or both, or if you use this life. The first way to do it is to name the child. If you are there as a father, and the child is born while you're around. If you name the child yourself, you take on legal authorization over that child. What's interesting is that Matthew includes the phrase, And Joseph names him Jesus. Why? Look at that. The second way in the ancient world was to the the of ever heard of that guy
1: before? The quote of Kamaragi
0: is the oldest law that we know of. In other words, it's a chiseled stone that has a code of ethics or a code of rules of how a society should be done and it's an ancient, ancient document. That was in effect at the time of Christ. The Code of Hammurabi said that if you wanted to adopt a son that was not yours and you were a craftsman or a tradesman, you bring him into your trade, raise him up, and no one else what Jesus did Jesus Carpenter, just like who? Just like his dad. It's very specifically written in there. No one challenged Jesus' rights to the mid lineage because everything was nailed down and was written in the book. Does that make sense? Now, as you go through that, and you can go, oh, this is kind of an exciting. Way. Uh, no, he he <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's
0: going on? Very simple. This is Mary's life. Then why is Joseph listed as that in his dad, that Mary's dad? That's not Joseph's dad. So why does he say it's Joseph's dad? Two reasons. Number one, in genealogy, he lists it as the household. Which is not Mary, it's Joseph. So he's supposed to do this. second of all, in genealogies, your father Wife's genealogy, your father in law is listed as your father. Because so very good that, right? Does that make sense? So we have Mary's line, we have Joseph's line, and as you begin to look at some of this stuff, you realize women weren't normally listed at all in genealogy. Mary is being listed, she's referred to, her dad referred to, so we'll say that she's kind of listed. But even when you take these two genealogies together, there are actually five women referred Why are there five women referred to in the lineage of Jesus Christ? All five were involved in scandal. Let me explain why. The first woman that is named in the
1: list of genealogy is Tamar.
0: Anybody remember who Tamar is? Tamar is the daughter in law to Judah. Judah was one of the twelve tribes of Israel, if you remember. He was one of Jacob's sons, or Israel's sons. He was a big dog, he was kind of a jerk. As he ran through his life, he had sons. One of his sons parents is gal, Tamar, he died. Tamar was left then without the ability to have any children because her husband was gone. Well, she had to marry back into the family. But no one would give her children. She got so frustrated and so angry that she was being stopped and shut off on the livelihood and the whole reason for her being there. That she dressed up as a prostitute, went out to the street, lured her father in law to have sex with her, and then she had kids to her dad. That was a problem. Alright then. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, lady was have? What did do Hey, I see a pattern developing here. She was a prostitute as well. She was the one that led the 12 spies out from Jericho when the attack came. Third lady was who? Ruth. What was wrong with Ruth? Was she a prostitute? yeah Might as well be called the Book Dysfunction. Okay? Have you read any of these people's famous lives?
1: Holy cow, you could get more dysfunctional
0: than the Bible. Alright, obviously, it's messed up. Does God use mess up people? If you have a screwed up background, if you come from the wrong family, if you come from the wrong area, if you come from the wrong this and the wrong that, that is not a sufferer. Jesus just works with it, He redeems it, and His testimonies, all your long have told you how He has used to you even in the midst of your rebellion, even in the midst of your sin. Why? Because it's bigger than you. Our little lives are the not going to in the plans of God, we're not going to shut it down. When He wants to get something done, He'll alter the universe to get it done. I understand it's an amazing ability of God to redeem trash. And maybe golden you know? <laughs> Two more names I want to mention to you before we step out of these genealogies. The first one is a man, uh, a king, and Jehoram is his name. Jehoram, you go, why do I care? We don't really care. It's just a murder and intrigue story. I want to point out how serious God is about this genealogy stuff. So. Jehoram was a bad, wicked king. As a matter of fact, he was so bad, he lied to the prophet. Said, God doesn't like you, you're going to have disease, and your bowels will fall out. <laughs> Guess
1: what happened to him? His bowels fell out. Alright, fantastic. But,
0: he had a son. He's listed in the genealogy. He had a son. It says in the genealogy, the son was Uzziah. Was the son Uzziah? No, like no. In the genealogy, of six the generations. There's a no highlight in the people. It's not an exact son of the son of the son of the son. His son's name is Ahaziah, another movie again. When Jehoram dies, his wife begins to watch over his throne. Her son, Ahaziah, rises up and he's a wicked man. He gets assassinated. By that time, she picks up on the idea and tries to eliminate all her grandsons and murder them all. So, a wicked woman. One of her daughters takes her nephew and hides him, the name of Joash. She hides him in seclusion and raises him up, as she presents him as the true rightful king, and he leads about the restoration of Israel The point is, you can't shut down God. Even if you're trying to kill the whole line, even if you try to murder all the hebrew baby boys, even if you're trying to go throughout Egypt and destroy all the Hebrews, God's going to stick by the basket and send him out to the bull rushes. And guess what? He's Moses, the deliverer. You cannot stop God. He will always find a through. to really make it practical to you. If you were here as a visitor, or you were here as maybe a neighbor, a friend, or a family member, and you felt like Christians have been following you your whole life, and they're irritating, Let me give you
1: a quick hint. Right? Oh my gosh, i people. My family, i Christians. Christians They
0: all talk about God, I couldn't possibly be more forward. Right? Oh, and then I got to work, and all the Christians are here, Give me a quick insight. God is going to happen. You so you die. you're not getting away, you might as well give up now. Alright? Because here's the thing: if you've already attracted what you want. I His mom Elizabeth and Jesus' mom Mary were related. They were relatives. And so they were distant cousins of each other. His story was very specific because he was going to announce the coming king. We cannot miss his part of the story. You can read along as I read in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, that's John Baptist's dad. Who belonged to the priestly division of Elijah, his wife Elizabeth was also descended from Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and in revolt well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord for a so, uh, makes a lot of complications going on. Husband and wife team, both descended from priests. The way it worked is there were lots of priests in Israel.
1: So they would randomly select
0: a group of them to go in the next. This is the Tepuletian Then they would randomly select five lots, which means cross cross. <laughs> it's good all really means. They would cross cross to see who would get to go into the temple and go would get to God. All of this accidental luck brought one man into the temple of the Lord. Is there such a thing as accidental luck in God's No, absolutely not. All organized for one purpose. Verse 10. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was scarlet and was gripped with fear. And The angel said to well, him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and your dearest lady, John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He,
1: he is never an to take wine
0: or other fermented drink, meaning he's a Nazarite. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Israel, he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord and the spirit and power of Elijah, and from the hearts of the fathers to their children, to the disobedience, the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for them. We join back into the common story, and sure enough, Elizabeth does become pregnant. This is promised. Then Mary, her distant relative, then begins. To be visited by an angel, and the angel says, You too will have a child. Don't be afraid. You've been visited by the Holy Spirit, and you will have a child, and his name will be Jesus. Joseph notices his wife, his engaged partner, is now pregnant. Assumes that she wants to cheated on him because Jesus will not show up like that. But he's a good man. He didn't want to hurt her, he didn't want her to be stoned. So he decides to divorce her quietly, when an angel appears to him. Joseph, alright. God's working something here. Hang on to her. Marry her. Be his stepfather for Messiah. Joseph marries his wife, Mary. Mary then goes up to the hill country of Judea to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And the two babies have a chance to meet room, in womb in Europe. One baby is like, woo! God has got all excited. Right? Even in a little library, all excited about the process. <laughs> and then something happens when God begins to orchestrate the Lord for this baby to arrive. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, okay. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree, the defenses should be taken of what? The entire Roman world, world. How about that? Let's get everybody involved. This would be the first census that took place while Pyrrhanius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the land of David. He went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child.
1: How do you get
0: a person that's going to have the Son of God into the town of David, the promised king? Well, you have a marry a guy that's from that town. Right? Oh, accidentally, they had each other. Right? It
1: was all orchestrated to prove that how do
0: you get to be born into the town of Bethlehem if a curse has blocked one whole line? Oh, that's right. The first verse solved that problem. We have everything culminating, and all of a sudden, a census is issued by who? By Caesar Augustus, who is who? The first Roman emperor of the Roman Empire. Now God has Roman empires involved. I'm going to really explain something to you. As Rome began to grow, one general began to rise up out of all of them to become the best. He had the motto, I came, I saw, I conquered. His name was Gaius, Julius Caesar. He conquered France, which was known as Gaul at the time, over a seven-year period. As the most powerful man in the world, he attacked Italy. He seduced Cleopatra of the Egyptians, and Egypt was added into the world. He reformed the calendar that we know now into a 12-month system. Along the league years, when it was a Julian calendar, and that's why we have the month of July. It's all named after him. At the height of his power, he was assassinated by those closest to him, including his best friend, Brutus, in 44 BC. His adopted son was named Caesar Octavianus Augustus, this man in the Christmas story. In 31 BC, he became not just one of the generals, but the sole ruler of the empire and the first general to hold in the Roman Emperor. And it is his name, literally, among August. July was his dad, August was his. He was a full headed leader that brought in the three This man, the Roman Emperor of the world, God utilized, moved upon him, directed his path. This census was not just any census. A census means to count the people. It's not just they wanted to put on a little sign out in front of the population was.
1: <laughs>
0: the purpose of the census was very clear. It was your taxation reason. I want to know who you are so I can charge you money. Well, that didn't make the Jews feel too good. They were already irritated by the fact that their whole land now was called a Roman province. They didn't like the imperial religion, but they had to say that Caesar was God. The Jews got really agitated, and when this census went down, it launched a whole new sect of Judaism. The three major sects at the time were Pharisees, Sadducees, and Sees. Now we have a point. These people were so angry at this census that had been handed down, that God had moved on his heart to do, that they launched a military group that wanted to oust out world by military force. This got so strong and led to the great Jewish revolt. was all the area where he got to be governor, he ended up being the governor of Galatia, the governor of Cyrene, the governor of all these different territories. He was a bad guy, not a good man, but a God who was in power as well. Pick up in verse 6, Luke chapter 2, verse 6. While they were there in the town of Bethlehem, the time came to the baby born, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped them in the and placed him in the nature because there was no room to them. Was that an accident? No. Who were the first people that were going to worship the Lord Jesus? What of them were people. Remember? Shepherds. Shepherds aren't allowed in call So They certainly know how to get in stables.
1: So it was all orchestrated
0: since this baby would be born, and she would travel over the census on the ninth month of, of her pregnancy, the baby would be born at the exact same moment to be laid into a manger, Into a manger, the trough for which animals eat out of, where shepherds could wander right in and worship. Why shepherds? Because the point was, every To go everywhere they wanted. They were the base, the common man. But they were the first
1: to worship. The nobility and the Magi would not worship
0: them for another two or three years. And indeed, they were coming. Sure enough, the shepherds see the angels, the shepherds visit the baby Jesus. And then Jesus, on his eighth day, is taken to the temple of Jerusalem to be circumcised. It was there that a the man had been waiting his whole life, a prophet by the name of Simeon, who at the exact same moment, as the Holy Spirit moved him to go into the temple courts right when the parents walked up, and he had the whole thing, Jesus in his arms, and he prophesied that this is going to be a At the exact same moment, Anna, the prophetess, moved into the room and took the baby in her arms because they prophesied over in be individuals in a supernatural life that everything coincides for baby Jesus. We pick it up in Matthew chapter two, verse one. Matthew chapter two, verse one. The last passage we'll read. Matthew two, verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, we're now two three years out. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his what? Star in the east and front of worshiper. When King Herod heard of this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, of the land of Judah, are by no least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you become a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi super and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go make a careful search of the child. And, as soon as you find him, report to me, so I may go and worship him. Did he you know worship him? Absolutely not. Herod the Great led the slaughter of the innocent. As he tried to destroy all baby boys, just like in Moses' said. But he, he didn't count on God shielding all of them and sending them out of the whole country in the east. Who was Herod the Great? Herod the Great was given the governorship of the Galilee area. And he was left by his dad, his brother at Jerusalem. And as he began to build all these amazing things, he built the Second temple for Jerusalem, he built the the Masada area where the zealots would later pull up. This man was a horrible, horrible man. Later in his life, when he got challenged by somebody, this man that wanted to rise up and take away his power, he ran home to Rome. Mommy, mommy, all the way home when he got challenged. And he told the Roman Senate, he's trying to take away my throne. They agreed to execute his challenger. His challenger was intimidating. Thousands of miles Just to get there the exact moment where the baby's father Jesus it was about three years old. And they brought him a maiden kid, spent 13. Years. The story closes with Joseph and his family fleeing into Egypt because they were going to be murdered. And then once they were in, Herod chills the big boys, and then Joseph and family receive a vision to go back to their home area, but instead of moving to Jerusalem, there was someone added power, so they moved back home to where they originally came from, in the town called Nazareth. To fulfill the prophecy that Jesus was reimagined, because all you need
1: to know is to close them. If you are
0: obedient to God, God will change the world through you. Why? Because man doesn't change the world. God changes the world. He just decides whether or not you're going to play. Number two, God orchestrated every moment.